Tom Swarbrick on LBC. It is Friday, it is 10 to 6, Tom Swarbrick here on LBC, and man, has it been a long week. Certainly in politics, and certainly on the other side of the Atlantic. So buckle up, buttercup, for Simon Marks, American Week. Tom, what a horrible world we find ourselves living in. Alexei Navalny making his last public appearance only yesterday, although it was hardly public, serving a jail sentence of more than 30 years on entirely trumped-up charges. He was seen on a video relay from a Siberian gulag to a court. The man who would, within hours, be the latest political corpse to show up on Vladimir Putin's watch, joked with the judge and members of the prison service. (laughs) My problem is that I'm running out of money thanks to your decisions, Navalny quipped, referring to the multiple fines that had been imposed upon him. Nothing in his demeanour indicated that the country's leading opposition figure would soon be dead after taking a walk, very much Tony Soprano style. Vladimir Putin's propaganda arm made a brief mention of Navalny's death, despite the Russian leader's multi-year efforts to make his nemesis a non-person. Russian television included the news in afternoon bulletins, simply parroting the statement from the prison. Russia's responsible for this. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, with the Biden administration's first reaction. His death in a Russian prison. And the fixation and fear of one man only underscores the weakness and rot at the heart the system that Putin has built. He spoke in Munich, where, along with Lord Cameron and other top diplomats and defence chiefs, he's attending the city's International Security Conference this weekend, a high-profile event on the annual calendar. So it seems entirely possible that Navalny's death is not coincidental. Coming on the eve of Munich, and just ten days after Vladimir Putin sat for a two-hour softball interview with Tucker Carlson, the first TV encounter with an American American for years, the Kremlin may be sending a cocksure message to the rest of the world and using at least one American quizling to deliver it. So we were guessing what this would cost. Everybody here is from the United States buys groceries and we didn't pay any attention to costs as we were just putting in the cart what we would actually eat over a week. Created by Rupert Murdoch, now empowered by Elon Musk, Mr. Carlson never got round to asking Vladimir Putin a single question about Alexei Navalny. But that, of course, is because he is not a journalist journalist, but rather a modern-day Lord Haw-Haw. He did find time to visit a Russian supermarket and be wowed by it. If you take people's standard of living and you tank it through filth and crime and inflation, and they literally can't buy the groceries they want, At that point, maybe it matters less what you say or whether you're a good person or a bad person. You're wrecking people's lives in their country, and that's what our leaders have done to us. And coming to a Russian grocery store, the heart of evil, and seeing what things cost and how people live, it will radicalize you against our leaders. That's how I feel anyway, radicalized. Just a reminder, we still cannot be sure who funded Mr. Carlson's propaganda trip to Russia, nor what kind of negotiations occurred to secure his interview with Putin. But we do know that he is one of the leading voices in America backing the Kremlin in its war on Ukraine. And this was an American week when the foreign policy stakes in this November's presidential election became even starker for the United States and its European allies, including the UK. The presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, 
Will you protect us? Donald Trump last weekend campaigning in South Carolina and threatening to shred NATO and spark World War III. I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. Last time around, we could only surmise what the impact of a Trump presidency might be on the NATO alliance. Now he's campaigning in plain sight, actually suggesting there are circumstances under which he would encourage Putin to invade one of America's allies. You know, our adversaries have long sought to create cracks in the alliance. The greatest hope of all those who wish America harm is for NATO to fall apart. President Biden at the White House on Tuesday slamming Trump and relishing the opportunity to talk about something other than his own faltering memory. Can you imagine a former president of the United States saying that? The whole world heard it. The worst thing is he means it. No other president in our history has ever bowed down to a Russian dictator. Let me say this as clearly as I can. I never will. For God's sake, it's dumb, it's shameful, it's dangerous, it's un-American. But there are, of course, lots of things that used to be considered un-American, but are now sadly also a hallmark of life in this country. The all-too-familiar sound of police racing to the scene of a mass shooting. This was the week when people in Kansas City couldn't even celebrate the success of their home team in last Sunday's Super Bowl without running the risk of being cut down by gunfire. Heard people screaming and running. We saw multiple bodies laying there with gunshot wounds. One person was killed, more than two dozen injured, including 11 children gathered to celebrate the victory of the Kansas City Chiefs. Two suspects are in custody. Police say the gunfire appears to have been sparked by an argument. Stacy Greaves is chief of police. I'm angry. The people who came to this celebration should expect a safe environment. Except they are very much living in the wrong country for that. Also shaming America, events yesterday in a Georgia courtroom. You will remember Donald Trump is facing criminal charges there relating to his efforts to interfere in the last election. He could be jailed for decades and the district attorney, Fannie Willis, an elected Democrat, even used criminal statutes normally reserved for the mafia to bring the case against him. But it now hangs by a thread because she was having an affair with a married lawyer whom she then hired to be one of Trump's prosecutors. The defence says that's a potential conflict of interest that could pollute the entire case. There were fireworks yesterday when Ms Willis came face to face with Trump attorney Ashley Merchant who wanted to understand the financial relationship between the DA and her lover. I didn't give him money in a contract so that was cute but I didn't give him money outside, uh, in a contract. What happened is, no, we're going to answer it since you said it. He worked. He worked more hours than he was paid. And the county paid him for the work that he did. So don't be cute with me. But she then ran into difficulty explaining cash reimbursements she paid the prosecutor for private trips that they took to California, the Caribbean and Belize. I asked her about cash. Probably the most money I've ever handed him is $2,500. The least amount of money I've handed him, probably between $500 and $1,000. You never wrote him a check? 
Ma'am, I don't have checks. She testified that she always has cash on hand, sometimes as much as $15,000 in her home. She appears to be literally the last person in America who is routinely paying her bills with dollar bills. Diehard Democrats insist there's nothing to see here, but if the case falls apart, she will have only herself to blame. I wanted to end this edition of American Week on a positive note, because with news that the Russians are planning to put a nuclear-powered weapon into space, who knows how many more editions we've got. Happily, there is already in space a much more welcome development. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. A recording of children all over the world singing This Little Light of Mine has made its way to the International Space Station. It lasts eight and a half minutes, about as long as American Week, and as the space station circles the globe, it is being beamed back to Earth to spread a message of love and understanding. It's all the idea of civil rights activist and Hollywood producer Topper Carew, who says the song has the capacity to give people courage and eradicate fear. And who among us, Tom, couldn't use quite a lot of that this weekend? From Washington, D.C., via the stratosphere, Simon Marks, American Week.